Austin, I, I, I know that there's so much more that we could talk about, but I don't want to miss the very spooky Shakespeare lightning round portion of our conversation. So are you ready to take on the Shakespeare lightning round? I, I am ready, and, it, it, and, and I have vowed, at least to myself, to try to break whatever record you have, because it seems like the reduced Shakespeare guy should really get through these 30 questions faster than you, anybody. You do seem like you ought to reduce the time. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, now in its 16th year, number 804, Shakespeare Lightning Round. Last October 2021, I was a guest on the Folger Shakespeare Library's Instagram Live series, Shakespeare Lightning Round. It is such a fun format, filled with guests from all corners of the Shakespearean world, answering rapid-fire questions about all aspects of Shakespeare, but mostly about the plays. We had a 40-minute conversation, but with your indulgence and the Folgers' permission, I'll share with you just the actual lightning round questions hurled at me by host and Folger Shakespeare Library social media and communications manager Ben Lauer, uh, as well as the slightly more relaxed follow-up questions we discussed afterwards. As Shakespeare himself once said, strap in. All right, well, if you are ready, the Shakespeare Lightning Round, for anyone who is just joining us for the first time, we're going to ask Austin 30 lightning-fast questions about his hot takes on Shakespeare in the theater. He's getting warmed up now. He's going to answer as fast as possible and give us the unvarnished Austin Titchener take on the Bard. So if you're ready... I'm ready. I'm going to get, get our timer set, and we will start... The Shakespeare lightning round. All right, Austin. Yes. First question. What is your favorite Shakespeare play? The Comedy of Errors, because it's the shortest. What is the most underrated Shakespeare play? Henry VI, part one. What is the most overrated Shakespeare play? King Lear. What is your favorite Shakespeare character? Beatrice. Who is your least favorite or who's the worst Shakespeare character? This is a tie. Leontes in Winter's Tale, and the Duke in Measure for Measure. Ooh. Um, who's the funniest Shakespeare character? Bottom. Who is Shakespeare's spookiest ghost? Oh, uh, 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 Banquo and uh, Richard III's victims. The ghosts of victims coming back to haunt their killers. Ooh, that's excellent. What is a line from Shakespeare that's stuck in your head, that's always rolling around in there? There's two of them. I get it's another tie. Um, extempore from my mother wit from Taming of the Shrew, and sweet are the uses of adversity from Duke Senior from As You Like It. All right, these are, you're going to give us your quick preferences. Hamlet or King Lear? Hamlet. Much Ado About Nothing or A Midsummer Night's Dream? Much Ado. Cymbeline or The Tempest? Ooh, Cymbeline. Henry the Fourth or Henry the Sixth? Henry Four. Uh, Richard the Second or Richard the Third? Richard the Second. Macbeth or Othello? Macbeth. Who is the best mechanical from A Midsummer Night's Dream? Uh, flute. Who is the your favorite member or the best member of Falstaff's like loose gang of buddies? Justice Silence. Wow. 
deep cut there, Austin. All right, which of Shakespeare's plays is most in need of reduction? It's a cheat, but it's true, all of them. <laughs> which Shakespeare play do you think most needs a sequel? Oh, oh, that's a really good question. Um, Tempest. The evil laugh means that it's time for our special guest question from last month's guest, Mona Awad, author of the fearfully delightful book, All's Well. She asked, who's your favorite Shakespearean villain? Oh, Richard III. Richard III? Yeah. All right, the next question. How do you personally spell theater? Are you an RE guy or an ER guy? ER for the building, RE for the art form. What's your go-to snack, drink, or snack-drink combo when you go to the concession stand at intermission at the theater? Yogurt or chocolate-covered pretzels. Huh. What is your favorite theater space in the United States of America, either to go to or to perform in? There are, there are several, and I'm not just saying this because it's you or you, but the Folger Theater is definitely one of my favorites to perform in. And I would say the other one is the McCarter Theater uh, on, at, at Princeton University. Tell us about a piece of novelty Shakespeareana that you've got around your house. Show us your chachkis. Uh, well, I've been I've been drinking out of my Emily Bridgewater, uh, uh, um, Emma Emma Bridgewater Shakespeare mug. Uh, I have the pop up figures, and I've got the bobbleheads, and I've got the the Rock'em Sock'em Shakespeare. But my my favorite piece is my reduced Shakespeare lunchbox with our Groucho Shakespeare logo um, that I had to make myself in honor of William Shakespeare's long lost first play. But I take this to all my rehearsals. I love it. I love it. Um, what is the coolest prop or costume that you've ever worked with on stage? It's gotta be the human head pie from Titus Andronicus in the complete works abridged. Um, what is a moment in a production of Shakespeare's plays that has made you laugh out loud? Um, the, the, the one that consistently gets me every time is the reluctant fight between uh, Sir Andrew and Viola dressed as Cesario in Twelfth Night. Um, what is a moment in one of Shakespeare's plays that has made you cry? Ooh, this has happened more than once, and it's kind of a tie, but Sam Rockwell playing flute, my favorite mechanical, playing Thisbe at the end of the film of Midsummer Night's Dream, and also the end of the act one of the Bridge Theater production, which climaxes, if you'll pardon the expression, with um, uh, a transformed bottom consummating his relationship with the enchanted fairy monarch to the music of Beyonce's um, Love on Top. It was, I was I weeping, tear, weeping and laughing tears of joy. Um, going way back, what's your very first experience with Shakespeare? Oh my God, this, these are starting to be essay questions, Ben. I actually wrote, I wrote about this actually for you for the Shakespeare Beyond blog, my first exposure to Shakespeare was obviously Star Trek, like and for like for so many people, um, because he was mentioned all the time and in Star Trek, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but my first actual Shakespeare, I was lucky enough to grow up in the San Francisco Bay Area and get taken on school field trips to the American Conservatory Theater in, uh, in San Francisco. And I saw Othello with John Hancock and and the the nannies Daniel Davis is that I think his name uh, Daniel Davis as um, Iago in fascinating fabulous their production of Julius Caesar and even more so um, William Ball's uh, Comedia uh, inspired version of Taming of the Shrew with Mark Beastmaster.
Dr. Sanger. Um, it was hysterical. Uh, I, I got very lucky seeing those plays as a kid. What would you be doing if you were not an all-around Shakespeare guy and a theater artist? Um, I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing right now, but significantly better paid. <laughs> if you could travel back in time and ask Shakespeare one question, what would it be? Would you come on to my podcast? Because I have more than one question. What's a quote from Shakespeare that inspires you or brings you comfort? This was true even before the pandemic, but it's one of my favorite lines and it's from Miranda. And I, and I, and I think of it as Shakespeare not only putting lines in Miranda's mouth, but Shakespeare looking at the audience that's coming to see his plays. And it's, oh, wonder how many goodly creatures are there here, how beauteous mankind is. Oh, brave new world that has such people in. And I can't wait to say that on stage next time we get back out there because I'm going to change it to oh, brave new world that has such people in a theater again. <laughs> and that is the Shakespeare lightning round. How'd we do? That was excellent. You did great. Are you ready to hear your time? I am. You came in at six minutes and 32 seconds. Oh, no. That's not good enough, I don't think, is it? Um, do you know, you know how I didn't look it up? Yeah. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's first place or not. But you are in the top two. At least, I'm there. The year I'm right there. 2021, that's huge. It's my own fault. I lingered on a few of the answers. It's you and your essay questions. You get me going. Well, you're a passionate guy. And, um, and I will go uh, back into the archives, and I will confirm who is, in fact, our winner. This never happens on real game shows. This doesn't happen on... They seem to know. I don't know how they know on Jeopardy, but it's like they know who wins at the end. It's very strange. Um, well, thank you. That was excellent. That was that was. You were on fire. That was fun. It's it's a, it, it's fun having to answer those questions because it forces you to think in ways that you don't, or I don't think typically. So it was great. I loved it. Well, good. I I I I have so many follow up questions. I want you to know that. Just about everyone has that rule about theater RE versus theater ER. It seems to be universal, but I, 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 it, it's not approved, I don't think. The, the Benjamin Dreyer, who wrote Dreyer's English, I think would very much object, but, um, but tough. That's the way I do it. And in fact, that's not the way um, I, I know that my editors there for the Shakespeare and Beyond blog don't hold to that um, uh, uh, yeah, either. We're pretty strict about ER. So, so um, that's the inside look into the Folger. That's what we do. We think about. We're we're always getting into people's business on how they spell theater. Yeah. I'm Peter Holland. I'm the McMeal Family Professor in Shakespeare Studies at the University of Notre Dame, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? Our next performance is later this month, May 27th and 28th, performing the complete history of comedy abridged at the downtown Cowtown at the Isis Theater in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, unfortunately, for a number of reasons, we will not be performing this summer at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe like we thought we would be doing. 
but we will be doing more performances of Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel in a few places around the U.S. this fall of 2022. Keep checking our touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Facebook page or our Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. And now back to my conversation with Ben Lauer, the Folger Shakespeare Library social media and communications manager and the host of the Folger's Instagram live series, Shakespeare Lightning Round. I want to talk about Justice Silence, mm. who I don't remember at all. Um, well, one of the fun, but... it's it's all based on performance. It's 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 rarely based for me on the words of the page. It's always about how an actor interprets it. To interprets it, and Henry the I saw my wife and I saw Henry the Fourth Part Two at the National Theater fifteen sixteen years ago with Michael Gambon as um, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to say as Dumbledore as as Falstaff, um, uh, John Wood as Justice Shadow. Uh, and, and and Succession's Matthew McFadden as Hal, um, and my friend Adrian Scarborough was doubling as Poins and Justice Silence. And he just played him. It was the greatest comedia comedy, um, uh, uh, comedia old man performance I've ever seen. Because literally, literally, they just kept calling for Justice Silence. And he just played it just old and hollow. <laughs> And just took forever, forever to move downstage. And two knights of the realm, Michael Gambon and Sir John Wood, just looked at him and waited and waited and waited. It was magnificent. And Justice Silence should never be played in any other way again. Um, boy, that's so funny. I, I had totally forgotten about Silence. Yeah. Um, well, I, so I have started another one of the questions. You, your earliest introduction to Shakespeare, as you said, was on Star Trek, and I have recently gotten into Next Generation. Mm. As a Shakespeare person who loves Star Trek, where would you recommend that other Shakespeare lovers start Ooh. with Star Trek? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, Jean-Luc Picard, um, uh, as, play, as played by Patrick Stewart, is consciously um, a fan of Shakespeare. He keeps a, a, an edition of the complete works in book form, in ancient book form, uh, in his ready room on the Enterprise there. He also uh, teaches, and I forget what episode it's on, but he teaches uh, Data. The android Data is it, it has a Pinocchio-like quest to become a real boy, to, become, to learn what it is to be human. And there's one episode where he is rehearsing. He's rehearsing a scene from uh, Henry V. It's the scene, one of my favorite scenes in Shakespeare, the scene... The, the, night the before, campfire Yeah, scene. the campfire yeah. scene. And, um, and Patrick Stewart, as, as Jean-Luc Picard, is off-camera um, coaching Data, but he's also in the hologram portraying the other sentry, the other soldier in the scene. And he literally says, Data, you know, to, if you want to investigate being human, there is no better way to do that than through the works of William Shakespeare. Um, and that's from the next generation. But in the in the in the very first season of the original series with William Shatner, a Stratford Festival alum, there's a mm. there's a there's a plot element where there's there's a suspected serial killer hiding amongst a troop of traveling Shakespeare actors who are going across the galaxy performing performing Shakespeare very much in the way that traveling Shakespeareans used to perform in the Old West. 
You know, right. that uh, Star Trek was originally conceived as as a wagon train to the stars, wagon train being a successful Western TV show. And um, and that influence is right there from the jump. And then Captain Kirk has to uh, uh, weigh weigh the probabilities Hamlet like as to whether this guy this guy is actually the killer everybody says he is. And he needs to keep investigating to see whether the rumors are true. So it's, I mean, in, from plot lines to themes, uh, the, the Star Trek uh, steals, and for two, two episode titles, Star Trek steals from Shakespeare all the time, including the most recent new series. They, they're some of the Shakespeare, some, some of their titles are Shakespeare based already. So it's very much in the DNA of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Always flipping through the complete works. Um, I I want to, you know, Colleen pointed out that that is a great episode. I think she's talking about the the serial killer. Such a rich mystery plot. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, and Gary was talking about your friend Adrian. Brilliant as as Silence in that production of Henry the Fourth. Yeah. Part two. Yeah. One thing we do on the Shakespeare Lightning Round is we ask each of our guests for a question for the next guest. Um, our next guest next month in November will be Mariah Anzaldo Hale, a costume designer who has worked many times around um, Folger Theater and all over the place. Um, I'm super excited to talk to her. So is there a question that we can get answered for you from Mariah? Yeah, I, I mean, my, it's, it's a question I always have, and um, it's, it is, what do you think is Shakespeare's funniest non-comedy? What's his funniest play that isn't one of the comedies? Because it's a it's a pet peeve for me that that um, productions of Shakespeare's um, comedies are insufficiently grounded in truth and pain and grief. Mm -hmm. But it's also true that too many productions of his histories and uh, histories and tragedies are insufficiently comic. And one of Shakespeare's greatest tricks, the greatest trick Shakespeare ever played was putting a ton of comedy into his histories and tragedies, and that frequently gets overlooked or not focused on. And anyway, so I, I just like to get people thinking like that. Well, let me, I mean, if I may, can I turn that around and ask you, what do you think that Shakespeare's funniest non-comedy is? Henry VI, part one. That's it, the, the, you, you had on, the, on your list of questions and then you removed what's the production that you've always wanted to work on but never gotten an opportunity to. It's Henry VI Part One because I just read it recently, again, for our book club, and suddenly it reads like a Monty Python sketch. That all the, it, it starts out with the funeral of Henry V and, and everybody's going, I'm in charge. No, I'm in charge. No, I can grieve harder. No, I can grieve harder. And these different people keep coming in going, we're losing the war. All the, all the land that, we, that Henry V won, we're losing. You guys got to get your SH1T together. I'm paraphrasing. Um, right. And, and it's like reducing. nobody can finish a sentence. It's so, it's hysterical. And then even sort of the stage directions in whatever edition I read, are funny. The, the army runs across the stage. The other army runs across the stage. It's 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 like a Shakespeare play written and directed by Armando Iannucci of Veep and the thick of it. Uh, it's a, it's it's a really funny play talking about the dangers of civil war, talking about the the the, the unknowns about uh, over succession, which was a huge issue in Shakespeare's day. And but he tells it in such a 
in such a great and funny way. I mean, I think so many of his plays are really not comedies, not tragedies, not histories, not romances. They're satires. I mean, I really do think he's he's making a lot of very great points using humor to do it. And um, anyway, that's that's my that's my answer. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. Check out the Folger Shakespeare Library's Shakespeare Lightning Round at Folger Library on on Instagram or at the Folger's website, folger.edu. Then send us your favorite mechanical via email to feedback at ReducedShakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, ReducedShakespeare.com or visit my website, TheShakespeareance.com. Thanks as always to my favorite Juliet, Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Abby Beasley Crumbie, no reason it's just random special thanks to peter holland the mcmeal professor of shakespeare at the university of notre dame and the chair of the international shakespeare association and finally thanks very much to you for listening please continue to stay safe get your boosters and keep your masks on i'm austin titchener 804 2412 of the reduced shakespeare company Thank you so, so much for joining us. Um, thank you out there to everyone who is watching us. Yeah, really. We're going to return to our our sort of our home away from home, the Reston Center stage in Reston, Virginia, just outside D.C., sort of Dulles Airport adjacent. Um, and we're going to be doing Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel there, finally. I can picture you all on the tarmac at Dulles, um, putting on the greatest show on earth. The greatest show on those massive passenger movers that take you from the planet. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that. I would watch a show on a passenger mover. You know, the, um, the reduced Shakespeare company, we set a Guinness World's Record like, oh God, six or seven years ago by performing. It, the, the record was the highest performance of Shakespeare ever. And no, not high on any herbal substances, but literally highest off the ground we performed um, Romeo and Juliet on an easy jet flying from London to Verona at 37,000 feet in the wow. in the center aisle and uh, amongst the aisles. And I think using using the plane restrooms as the um, as the changing areas. <laughs> I had no idea that I was talking to a to a world record holder. Yeah, come on, a little respect. It wasn't even me. It was just the it was our three of our uh, guys in England. Uh, base there they did it it was enormously fun and and i was trying to get um the hashtag shakes on a plane trending it didn't trend that i'm shocked by me that. too. that's a real missed opportunity yes. boy me too thank you so much again for joining us this has been an awesome episode of the shakespeare lightning round <laughs> thanks man this was huge fun this podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company, reducing expectations since 1981. Go to reduce for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. 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 So much less.